This is the Tony G Show. I'm your host, Tony G. My partner, Will McCormick. Yo. Hi, Will. How's it going, Tony? I'm sad. You're sad? You want to know why? Why is that? This is officially the last week of Tony G Shows. Oh, yeah. Well... Of the season. Of the season. Of the season. Season 7 comes mm-hmm. to an end on Thursday. This is episode 24 of season 7. Thursday will be episode number 25. And then we're done. We'll still do some Tony G Show interviews. Mm-hmm. Throughout winter, we have a December list piling up and a January one that I have in mind for interviews, so that'll continue, but regular season episodes conclude this week. We only have this episode on Thursday's episode, and that's kind of sad to me. Yeah, it's coming very fast. Yeah, it is. Before you know it, boom, you're done. Yep. Season's going to be over. So I mentioned Tony G Show interviews still coming up. I haven't released the full list of names yet, or even really advertised, because... It's so early in the month of December. What is it, the 7th? It is the 7th, yep. It is the 7th, okay. Yeah, that's right, because today is Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Mm-hmm. So I have an interview coming out tomorrow. That's going to be Wayne King. He mm-hmm. is a swimmer for St. Norbert College, the men's swim and dive team, which is in its fourth season of existence. So very appreciative of him coming around and giving some time to us to talk. And it was really a good interview. You weren't there, Will, because you yep. had to miss out on it. I'm kind of sad I did, though, because I, Wayne is a really nice guy. Yeah. And he's well-spoken. He so. is. And he, the, the perspective he gave in this particular interview was incredible. I mean, it was just a really good interview. I, I can't wait for Tony G Nation to listen to it. I get it. It's swimming, mm-hmm. so that might not entice everybody's interest. But I, it's still a, an interview I encourage you to listen to because Wayne is very, like you said, well-spoken. He's very thought out. He's very heartful. So It's from Texas. He's from Texas. He's from Houston. He talks about the weather in the interview of Wisconsin and hunting and fishing as well. So it's a good interview. I encourage you to listen to it. That interview will release tomorrow. That would be the 8th, Wednesday the 8th. So make sure to tune in for that one. And then Thursday's show will conclude the season. We'll continue Tony G show episodes throughout the winter, like I mentioned, and then come back for season 8 in February. Let's preview today's show. Uh, Let's go through the college football rankings. It was a big weekend in college football just... Over the last couple of days, a lot of conference championships have been determined, and it's something I want to talk about. I'm going to go through my rankings, one through six, see if they differ from everybody else's. And then when we get to the halfway point, just happening yesterday or last night, the Bills lost to the Patriots 14-10 to on Monday Night Football, and the Bills in their postgame press conferences were brutal. It was some bad looks for the team. We'll get to that at the halfway point. And then, well, we will recap Tony G's picks of week 13. That will be, there's no picks of the week coming on Thursday because the season concludes. How are we going to recap and really do a formal conclusion? So we will recap and just kind of bring Tony G's picks of the week to, the, to a close one final time. So that's how today's episode will go. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Nation. Follow Will on Twitter at Willis5312. A lot coming for the Tony G Show. I got a lot in the works. I think I might put together a website. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. It would be fun. Because someone's got to look professional around here. Right. It's not going to be me. So it's all going to be Will McCormick. <laughs> Tony G Show. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. We got a good episode planned as we conclude Season 7 this week. You're listening to The Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. 
Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at TonyGNation. Also on Instagram at TonyGordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. It was a big weekend for college football. Conference championships were determined all around the board from the college football world, and especially the Power Five conferences. We're going to go through all of them. I'll give you my one through six of the college football rankings, how I think they should be. They're already out, but I'll give you what I think it should be moving forward. Now, we can start with just the Power Five conferences. And the first game I want to mention is the Big 12 championship. Number nine, Baylor beat number five, Oregon State, 21-16. This was a game a lot of people had Oregon State tabbed to win. Came down to the wire. It was a very good game. Came Mm -hmm. down to the last couple of seconds in the game. Uh, Desmond Jackson fell short of a touchdown on fourth and goal with under 30 seconds left to go. Only one touchdown was scored in the third quarter for OSU. Spencer Sanders, the the quarterback, 31 of 46, 257. And you want to hear this? Well, he was a quarterback ranking of 51 and had no touchdowns, four interceptions. That's a tough outing. Four picks for Spencer Sanders in a day where Oregon State really wanted to show up and try to beat Baylor. And Baylor, all the credit to them, Blake Shapin, uh, the quarterback for the Baylor Bears, he had a... (laughs) <laughs> better day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hard to. 23 of 28, 183 touchdowns, no picks, 82.1 quarterback ranking. So the difference there was obviously the four Sanders interceptions. Yeah, that's hard to hard to compete when you turn the ball over four exactly. times. Exactly. It, it's not like you fumbled the football. It's not like it was a, a punt return and it was muffed and, or, or something like that. When your quarterback has a bad day like that, it just kind of ruins everything. Mm-hmm. In a conference championship that's going to be very competitive against two top 10 teams in the nation, you know it's going to be close. You know it's going to be hard fought. You know the scrappier team is going to get the win no matter what. It could be one team is really clean, one team is really not, but whoever shows up and plays scrappier is going to win that game. Baylor did that. They caused those four turnovers. Uh, Sanders had a lot of pressure all day long, if not in the pass rush, then probably in his head. This was probably the biggest game in Oregon State history for the last couple of seasons, football-wise. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of people, before we move on, I saw a lot of people uh, try to discredit Spencer Sanders and, and come after him. Not like come after him, because, you know, it's college. But right. they were still critical of him. And I think we forget that he's still a college mm-hmm. student. He's still just Developing. a student athlete. He's still de- – he's not, you know, he's not going to come out here and go all Kurt Warner and, right. like, and like win this big game. So I, I do want to dispel that myth. I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to have a fine career. But this game – was determined by that it was his four interceptions it's just a fact i'm not saying you know i'm not trying to blast him but the four interceptions is what played that role in giving baylor the win it's honestly impressive they only lost you know by a margin of 21 to 16 that's right yeah i mean baylor should have destroyed them in this game oh had they had they yeah had they capitalized on those all four of those interceptions it it should be like a 20 point victory the thing the thing is like i said is the scrappier team is going to win that game. Yes. Both teams could show up and play clean, but you know that both teams weren't having the best seasons ever. Mm-mm. So the scrappier team was going to win that game, and in that game, the Baylor Bears did it. They beat Oregon. So number five, Oregon State, loses. 
Keep that in mind for when we talk about one through six. They were number five. Baylor was number nine. Number nine, Baylor got the win. The SEC championship, this wasn't as good of a game as I wanted it to be. Number three, Alabama took down number one, Georgia, 41-24 in a game where the Georgia Bulldogs led by 10-0 at one point. And there was just too many mistakes by Georgia. Um, And and the factor that I think really plays a, a, a huge role in this game was the fact that Georgia had given up a low score or a high score, excuse me, of 17 points all year. So in a game, the highest amount of points they've ever relinquished to a team was 17. Which is crazy. Which is nuts. Yeah, that's, it's really easy to win games when you hold them to 17 points. And then they gave up 41 to Alabama. Wow. Here's the thing. They forced Georgia to implode. There was a lot of times on the broadcast where the camera would cut to Kirby Smart on the sideline or would cut to Stenson Bennett, who both of them were visibly frustrated. Kirby Smart is very animated when he gets frustrated. He you know, starts shouting and he starts... You know, just you can just see it in his body language that things aren't going the way he wants, and he just kind of implodes. And when you do that to Georgia, Georgia's not going to win the football game. Any football team, you could argue, is not going to do that when the coach starts melting down. But you could start to see that on Georgia and with Kirby Smart, it just kind of goes that way. I'm not, I don't know Kirby Smart. I don't know the way he treats his players. But when he starts to implode and he starts to show that frustration to some of his players, then they start to feel it, and it's just a, it just spreads like wildfire. Then that Georgia team really starts to beat themselves. So. Like I said, they were up 10 nothing. Alabama came back with a score. Alabama continued to score. They continued to persist, and Georgia just kind of imploded on themselves. Uh, as I mentioned, Stenson Bennett, he's the quarterback for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. He had an all right day. 29 of 48, 340, uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Like I said, just too many mistakes for Georgia. Right. Bryce Young for Alabama. This kid is something special. I think he's my pick to be the Heisman this year, 42 mm-hmm. touchdowns on the season. He was 26 of 44, 421, and three touchdowns. When you show up like that, this is the biggest game of the season. This is a game that if Alabama loses, they might not find their way into the, the college football mm-hmm. playoff. Yep, very true. They already had the one loss to Texas A&M on the road in College Station. We talked about that on the Tony G Show earlier this season. And if they would have had two losses, they would not have made – the college football playoffs. So that just puts all the more pressure on the players to win this game from Alabama because Georgia was in. If they lose this game, nobody's taking the Bulldogs out of the college football playoff because they lost to Alabama for their first loss of the season. So I think that with the amount of pressure that Alabama played under Bryce Young, who was already in the Heisman talks and voting, and he's one of the final contenders, to show up, throw for over 400 yards, not turn the ball over, Throw for three touchdowns. Not to mention he's good with the legs too. He's the Heisman. He was he played. He had a Heisman performance in this SEC championship, and Alabama eventually got the win. Another important factor that I want to mention before moving on. I don't know if this will play a factor moving on. I don't know how serious this injury is, but they lost John Mitchie. Did the the Crimson Tide, who had 97 yards, a touchdown on six receptions. He had a leg injury. And I believe, I saw this in the news, that he tore his ACL. I'm sad to hear that mm-hmm. because yeah. that is a huge loss. That's a huge blow. I mean, you know, it just is. But Alabama's so talented that they can kind of make up for it. And yeah. that does that kind of sounds bad. I feel bad saying that to Mitchie. Like, oh, my gosh, a kid just lost his opportunity to play mm-hmm. in a college football playoff. But that's just Alabama. I mean, yeah. they're, they're the so deep. They, they are. Well, I mean, they're the popular... 
the popular team in college football. Yeah. You know, if you have an offer from Alabama, it's like, I want to go play there because mm-hmm. they're going to win a national championship within yeah. the next four years. Right. It's like Duke back in the day with Mike Krzyzewski. It's like it's, they're going to win a national championship. Happen. Yeah, in one of the four years in college basketball, maybe two. So they're going to win a college championship in one of the two years that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Chances are very high. So Alabama's the same thing. So that's why they're so deep in, in it every year. But since Alabama got the win, both these SEC teams are going to be in the college football rankings, college football playoff. And to the, <laughs> to the, to the pleasure of the committee, because it seems like everybody yeah, is always big on the SEC year after year. But how can you not be? I mean, it's just the best right. conference in, in college football. It really is. Do you think Alabama taking this victory, this is a massive win. Not only did they win, they won in – a huge fashion. Yeah. Do you see them just riding this wave through the playoffs and really just kind of we'll just save dominating? That. We'll yeah. save that because who they're going to play, <laughs> Will McCormick, this is going to be a similar game, mm-hmm. if not worse, for the opponent that they'll play. Okay, Alabama is going to – do I see that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you save it for later, but you We'll save it for later, more in depth. But answer, yeah, they're Alabama. Big Ten Championship, uh, number two Michigan throttles number 13 Iowa. 42-3. to three. Iowa did not deserve to play in this game. No. But I get why. You know, Wisconsin lost in the Axe game to Minnesota. If Wisconsin would have won, they would have been in it. And even that would have been a game that Michigan probably would have won. Should have. Should win that game. Yeah. Michigan beat Wisconsin earlier in the year at Camp Randall. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty hefty Michigan yeah. win. 38-17, I think, was the final score just off the top of my head. So Michigan would have won that game regardless. They were going to be Big Ten championship ch- champions. But Iowa... Looked like a team stuck in 2004. <laughs> I mean, they just did. <laughs> They're, yeah. Big Ten football is known for a lot of running, mm-hmm. of course, with Wisconsin and with Ohio State, even though they've had good quarterbacks over the years. Michigan, Michigan State. They've been, it, this has been a conference known for running the football, and they've been longer games with, with extended drives because all they do is run, and that just chews the clock up. And it's not the thing within college football culture and fans is that it's not the most exciting football because it's not big 12 where it's all or it's all offense it's not sec where it's just right sunday players all over the place it's big 10 football it's kind of hard-nosed midwest get your farm boy on the offensive line and then all of a sudden they're going to run the football iowa looked outmatched of course but like i said they just looked like they were stuck in 2004 they tried running the football every every play and get like one two yards per carry and that's just not going to get the job done michigan out coached you outplayed you and there was the one trick play where Michigan scored a touchdown. It was like yeah. Iowa well, was just behind the ball. And that's where, you know, Michigan, I think, scored their first two touchdowns on two big plays. Yeah, big plays. And and once they kind of have that momentum going, then they can start to play that methodical football where they just they just keep feeding, um, what's their back's name? Haskins. Um, Haskins, Hassan yeah. They just, Haskins. they just keep feeding him. Like, I, I believe now he's the, he has the most rushing touchdowns in Michigan history. Yeah. So, like... They get those two big plays, boom, they're ahead. Yeah. And, the, and I took them probably, I think it was literally like five plays in total between those two drives. And that, that's already, it makes Iowa's task of tying the game take so long with relying on the run like they do. So That's well said. Yeah. And I know you mentioned before with, um, with uh, Bryce Young, and he's your Heisman favorite. We have to mention it because Adrian Hutch- Hutchinson is being, yep. he's a finalist he in is. the Heisman race. What do you think about that? Because... In my two cents, I I mean, he's the ones the one stat that he's leading in right now. He has 14 sacks, and that's second. Yep. Overall, 
but solo tackles, he's only at 33. That's 155th or 150th plus ranking, so he's not even in the top 150. And forced fumbles, he has two, which is tied for 43rd. Yeah. No interceptions. Like, I. Well, part of it is is that Michigan's having such a great year. Yes. And part of the argument that I want to make discussing this Big Ten championship game is that Michigan's for real. You can just see it yeah. in them and their coaching and the way they play. This is a for real football team. This isn't and, Michigan of the past where they're going to big time. Yeah, and I'm not saying that either. But And I guess to kind of wrap up this Heisman thing or this question I'm proposing is, do you think he's deserving of that award? Do you think he's going to win it? Because his stats really don't show it. And to me, that's like Michigan being that good of a team. When this you year. think about – let me paint the picture to you this way, Will, is that Michigan's having such a great year. They're mm-hmm. ranked number two, and they're a for-real football team. Everybody buys into them. Even teams that they play and they beat buy into them. They beat Ohio State. I mean, this is a for-real football team. And part of the reason is is because Aiden Hutchinson is having such a great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defense as a whole, that the whole team is having a great year. But Aiden Hutchinson with the 14 sacks is the most in Wolverine history. Yeah, that's a lot. Ever. So when you think about the type of season that he's having in scale to the rest of Michigan football throughout the entire history of Wolverine football and the fact that they're number two, you pair all that together, Aiden Hutchinson probably is deserving of being a finalist. Do I think he'll get it? No, because it's well, a, it's it's just an offensive award. It just is. I, no. I mean, even if I mean, I'm not saying he's having a bad season, but the most sacks in Michigan history is still second in the country. There's somebody who has more sacks than him right That's now. That's true. Are you talking about Will Anderson Jr. of Alabama? Because I a lot of people so. coming out saying that he should have been in the finalist. Why is he not being mentioned as a finalist for the Heisman? That is a snub as a, if I've ever seen one. And I do agree. And I, I do have it here, Will. 92 total tackles, 32 and a half tackles for a loss, 15 and a half sacks. Yeah. Will Anderson Jr. And he was not a finalist. That is a crime. And and he's ranked in above 150 in solo tackles. Exactly. And I and I'm not taking away from the Hutchinson Heisman thing, but certainly not. To me, to be a defensive player, you need to be Charles Woodson esque dominant. Oh yeah. You need to be a generational player. And I think I'm not saying Hutchinson isn't a generational player, but you just don't see it from him. I don't think. I mean, you can't say that he's the most impressive player in college football right now. Yeah, that's true. He's he's really good. Yeah. He's really really yep. good. He's better football player than I'll ever be. But I don't think – the Heisman thing I really didn't understand. Well, I think half of our professors would be a better college football player than you'll ever be. But yes, anyways, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, they would. I love taking the digs at Will McCormick. Speaking of Wills, Will Anderson Jr. of Alabama, not being mentioned a finalist, is a crime. Yeah. It's an offensive award, so an offensive player is definitely going to get it. I think that maybe there was already someone from Alabama with Bryce Young being mentioned as a finalist, so they wouldn't include Anderson. I don't, I don't get that, though. Because no. you're right, if – if Hutchinson's there... If Hutchinson's there, Anderson has to be there. Yeah. Like, Anderson should have been the first one Yeah. there. Like, if you have the first three selected, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and you get to that fourth spot, and you look at Will Anderson, and you look at Aiden Hutchinson, and you think, yeah, let's go Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Come on now. It, Anderson should definitely be there in that discussion. But the other two mentioned C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. He's having a great year. You can't deny that. But Bryce Young of Alabama. I mean, it's Alabama. It's Bryce Young. He's probably going to end up winning the Heisman Award. And I think he should. He's my pick to be the Heisman Award. But back to Michigan. They're for real. They're on a mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are a dangerous team. Jim Harbaugh is coaching out of his mind right now. Michigan's yeah. playing some exceptional football. And that's a team that I would look out for to be in a national championship. I really would. We're going to paint that out in a moment. Pac-12 championship. This is worth mentioning. There's no implications on college football 
playoff. But number 17, Utah defeated uh, number 10, Oregon, big, 38-10. to 10. I don't know what the heck happened to Oregon. They had three losses to two of them to really bad teams, the one Stanford loss. And, I mean, just all their losses this year, they look bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, this was a top 10 team every week this year except the weeks that they lost. You know what I mean? Like, they <laughs> yeah. just played terrible in their losses. And this was another one. Utah absolutely demolished Oregon, 38-10. to 10. No implications because n- number 17 ranked, number 10 ranked. No implications on the college football playoff. But the AAC championship game, which is not a Power 5 conference, does have college football playoff implications. Number 4, Cincinnati beat up number 21, Houston, 35-20. to 20. Desmond Ritter was 11 of 17, 193 touchdowns, no interceptions. Jerome Ford, 187 yards, two touchdowns, and 18 carries for the Bearcats. So Cincinnati got the win, ranked number four. You're not going to move them out of the top four, and they didn't already. I mean, the the recording of the show is happening after they released what actually is going to be. Here's what I say. It's not very very different from what actually came out and what, what is the college football. Uh, playoff ranking. So the official college football playoff rankings, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Here's what I have, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Baylor. What do you think of that? I I think that's probably how it'll end up playing out. Yeah, could be. I mean, I could see Georgia and Cincinnati maybe swapping places. I couldn't though. Just Cincinnati, the first thirteen, the first undefeated season in their history, and you could argue though. Here's the thing: the schedules of Georgia and Cincinnati were unimpressive. That's true. That's Both very teams true. did not play many ranked teams. Cincinnati, the one impressive win that they had was over Notre Dame, and Georgia played great all year, but they didn't play anybody too special either. So with that, the top four would be Michigan versus Georgia. That would be two versus three. And then Alabama-Cincinnati, one versus four. Michigan-Georgia would be a tremendous game. Yeah. And it, you know what I want to pick? Who? The Wolverines. Yeah. I, I, I really do think this is a special year for the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to find themselves in a national championship, put up 24, and win 24-21 over the Bulldogs. Georgia's not played impressive teams. They're no. finally going to get to one in Michigan, and they are going to get wiped. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty true assumption that i mean georgia really hasn't been battle tested obviously they've yeah. played 13 games so yes they are to a degree but michigan's a real deal team like they are very good it's their game to lose that's correct that's a good way to put it it's their game to lose if they end up playing georgia correct here is who's georgia and <laughs> who georgia has beaten this year um murray state Clemson, that was the most impressive win, but that was 10-3, and Clemson's not even like ranked now. They beat UAB, they beat Vanderbilt, beat South Carolina, all unranked, beat Arkansas, 37-0, well, they were ranked 22, beat Auburn, unranked, beat Kentucky, unranked, beat Florida, beat Missouri, beat Tennessee, beat Charleston Southern, <laughs> beat Georgia Tech, and then they faced Alabama and got mashed. So there's no real impressive teams there. For right. The Speaking of getting wiped... Alabama versus Cincinnati, as much as I love the Cinderella story that Cincinnati has been, and Mm -hmm. they're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. 13 wins, even though they haven't played anybody impressive, is still an impressive feat. Talent in college football is just getting better, and Cincinnati is 
absolutely a good football team, but they're going to get wiped against Alabama. I I think Cincinnati's the team that you get matched up against. You're probably going to win that game. I, I agree. It's nothing against them. Because it's just the same thing as like the Washington Huskies got into the playoff a couple years ago. But they're like the misfit. They weren't the, the, the powerhouse of an Ohio State of Georgia Alabama. So they got in and it was like, okay, I kind of know how this is going to play out. Right. That's what's going to happen now. Cincinnati's getting in. And I, you know, the argument is you want the best games. You know, you want the best teams in the college football playoff and you want the best games, the closest games, the, the you know, just the scrappiest games. But with that argument, you're going to exclude a team like Cincinnati who's 13-0. and all. Right. So, with the type of year, and it's like the same thing with UCF a few years ago, and I talked with Swan on this uh, when he filled in for you a few weeks back, Cincinnati deserves to be in. Yeah. You can't exclude them after the year they've had. This is like the second straight year they've put together a really solid season. And what Luke Fickle is doing there is just amazing. He's not going to be there very long. He's going to find a better job somewhere else. There's a lot of people that's, that are going to come calling for him. But it's Alabama. Okay, you are the misfit that is going to get in, and I think you should be there. I want to make the argument that Cincinnati should be there, but they're going to get wiped because it's Alabama. That's all. <laughs> are you? Yeah, I mean, if Alabama can beat up Georgia as bad as they did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, are you telling me that Cincinnati is really that much better than Georgia, exactly. if, if they even are? Exactly. I love, like I said, I love the Cinderella story and the possibility and the potential of it. But I think, and, and the way you have it set up is the worst case scenario for Cincinnati. If they're going up a- against Alabama, it's about, you know, very unlikely that they will win that matchup. I hope they do, for the sake of just interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you're right. When Alabama, I mean, Alabama wipes the slate clean with, like, good teams. Yeah. They're the type of team that beats Georgia by two touchdowns because they're by Alabama. By 20 points. <laughs> by 20 points. It just happens. Yeah. So when you play Cincinnati, it should this be. is going to be like a 34-10 game. It's going to be like a 41-17 game. Like It's not going to be close. Right. I'd like it to be. I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just for the sake of the underdog pulling through, the underdog story, that's you want fun. Cincinnati to win, but they're not going to. In all realism, no. So with that... That would leave Alabama and Michigan in the national championship, and I really do believe that's what's going to happen. be a fun matchup to watch. It would be. Michigan's a good team, and I don't think Alabama's going to wipe the slate clean like they did with Georgia. <laughs> but they still will wipe the slate. <laughs> but they still will. It's going to be one of those games where Michigan might have the upper hand, and then it gets to the fourth quarter, and Alabama scores three touchdowns, and then it's like just window dressing if you're still mm-hmm. playing at that point. So I think Alabama's going to be the national champions again. Very boring take, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's probably true, though. I mean, it is, I don't, though. I don't, I mean, yeah. I mean, Michigan's had some, you know, that impressive win against Ohio State. You know, hats off to them. That's great. Yeah. And certainly can do it again. But Michigan's the kind of team where it's not over until the time it hit negative 12 seconds. Yeah. And Matt Swanson can attest to that. Yeah, that's true. I kept asking him. There's a minute left when they're playing. Um, oh, who do they just beat? Oh, uh, when they beat, when they're playing Iowa. Iowa. They're up 42 points. Forty-two, three was the. Um, There's about score. a minute left, and I said, "Is it over yet?" And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> so so. I, I was texting him that whole that whole day Saturday throughout yeah. this game, and from the first play, I was like, "Dude, this team is for real." Mm-hmm. And they were playing Iowa, so it'd be like this the comparison of Alabama versus Cincinnati, but right, and that also it's at, still like Michigan just played clean, and that's a interesting actually to think about, but that's a pretty horrible tune-up game to play. Like they yeah. played. A team that they should have beat like that. Yeah. Yep. And they did. 
And so, uh, I, Iowa, like I said, Iowa played like it was 2002. Like right. there was just no spark. There was no creativity. There was no momentum. I mean, they just got wiped. They should not have been in that game, but they should have because I get why. Yeah. But from a play standpoint, no, come on. But I get it. The records did it, and that's how things worked out. So I, I can't argue against that. But just the talent, I don't want to say talent, but maybe the talent and the coaching just did not compare to Michigan in that game. They should not have been there. So just to to oppose you, I'm gonna, I'll put my money on Michigan. Okay. I'll I like do it. it. I'll do it. Although... I'm really hoping for a Cincinnati upset. Yeah, that would be that would be something. Be fun. Cincinnati gets into the national championship game oh. by beating Alabama. Holy cow! I don't think they'd beat a Georgia or a Michigan, but I, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if okay, so if Cincinnati finds a way to win the national championship at any point this year, wow. That wouldn't just be like a national. That wouldn't just be like a Cinderella story. That would be a once in a lifetime yeah. occurrence that Cincinnati pulled the upset twice against number one ranked Alabama and number two or three ranked. Georgia or Michigan. So we'll leave that there. That is Tony G's college football rankings and how I predict the national champion in college football will be the Alabama Crimson Tide. As we move on to segment two, a bit different discussion here. We're going to turn to the NFL. For years and years, I have talked about, and for years and years, I don't mean like 20 years or something like that. I mean like, oh, back in the day, you know, like I'm an old man. But for the last couple of seasons, I've really felt as though the Buffalo Bills are, are primed for a Super Bowl run. I've felt like Josh Allen is primed for an MVP. I feel like the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC coming in year after year. And I'm out on them. I am officially retracting my stance on the Buffalo Bills. They are not the team to beat in the AFC. Sean McDermott is not the coach of the year. Josh Allen, he might win an MVP. I'm not ready to retract on that yet. But as it stands... Not this year. Not this year. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are just another average AFC team. I said it, and yeah. I don't think I can get much argument against me. They lost, like I mentioned in the open, last night to the Patriots, who again are on a roll. Look out for the Pats. I'm telling you, that team is scary. They can win really boring games. <laughs> they did last night. <laughs> 14-10, the Patriots got the win over the Bills. Last night at home for Buffalo. Okay, so they're home. Mm-hmm. The climate was in their favor. The wind was blowing, and the snow was gusting, and... You know, it's similar to what we've seen in New England. It's not like they're coming from Los Angeles, the Patriots are. They've they've played in that too. I get that. But it was still the home atmosphere paired with the weather. That's a game the Bills have to come away and win. Yeah, especially, you know, I don't mean to bring to be the guy that always brings up contract stuff, but he's on his last year of his rookie deal. Allen? Yeah. yeah. He's, this year he's making base salary 900 k Next year his base salary is $4 million. So if he gets signed... He will get signed. He'll probably get yeah, signed. Yeah, I mean, he is signed. So he, yeah, you're he, right. You're he, signed, right. he signed his contract extension. So in 2022, he's making $4 million base salary. 2023, $27 million base salary. Yeah. 24, $23 million. <laughs> oh, 2025, $14 million. 2026, $22 so million. So he's there for the long haul. Yeah. He can potentially opt out in 2026, but he has signed a five-year deal with them. Um, a lot of money. It's going to yeah. be hard for them to compete. At least to sign to bring in players. It's the same thing we talked about with Jason Fonder. Like, yeah, if you don't sign a team friendly deal and you get paid, like you want to get paid, hey, there, there's not going to be much left to pay right. the other players. Well, and the bottom line is, even if this is technically a team friendly deal, mm-hmm. it's going to be more expensive because he's a, a top tier quarterback. Yeah, and so now their talent is going to kind of fall a little bit. Well, 
I think it has. Seven and five this season. They're second in the AFC East to the Patriots, who are nine and four. It's been an unimpressive season so far. But more than it's just it's more than on field talent. I mean, they've lost some bad games. Seven and five is not where I predicted them to be. They got washed by the Colts. You remember that game a few yeah. weeks ago? I mean, they just they just lost bad games. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked me at the conclusion of last year, even at the beginning of this year, I'd tell you the Bills are going to be the team to beat. They're going to be the team that wins 13, 14 games. And now they're going to hop to the finish line to maybe win nine. Maybe maybe get to 10. That's possible. Maybe, but eh. But maybe win nine. They might be a nine and eight team, the Buffalo Bills. Not to mention they still have to play the Patriots once already, which is why yesterday was so huge for you to win. Now you tell me you're going to go into New England the day after Christmas. Weather's going to be probably bad there too. And you're going to win on the road in New England? Yeah, now that, now that game got even more important. Exactly. So the Bills missed their opportunity to get a big win. Eight and four, and making the Patriots eight and five. You're, yeah. You have the conference, okay? But like I said, it's more than on-field play. And there's been some bad on-field play for the, for the uh, Bills. It's more than that. After the loss last night, Sean McDermott, Came out. It was a whole debacle of press conferences. It was press conference galore. It was dra- drama, drama, drama all over the place after the Bills lost last night. And we'll start here with Sean McDermott. After the loss, one of his responses, I'll paraphrase, he said, let's not give too much credit to Bill Belichick. All right, first off, incorrect. Yeah. Um, let's give Bill Belichick all the credit. Yeah. Because what happened last night... <laughs> complete opposite. <laughs> the complete opposite. Because what happened last night was the Bills lost because the Pats ran the football. Yeah. They couldn't stop at the Bills, so the Patriots won the football game. Bill Belichick went, okay, they can't <laughs> stop the run, so let's just run the ball every time. Yeah, let's do, let me do what I think will get us the win as a head coach, and then they got the win. So, so it's almost like he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, it's like he made the decision <laughs> granting him the credit. I love this satire. <laughs> I just do. How dumb does that sound if you're Sean McDermott? Oh, he sounds like a sour loser. He sounds he does. like, he sounds he like does. his head's in the wrong place. He does, and that carries on to the team. I'll talk about that in two minutes, but just again, 222 rush yards for the Pats last night. Bills couldn't stop the run. He knew it was working, and he stuck with it. So why would you take all the credit away from him, the guy who's won six Super Bowls? Let's not give Bill Belichick too much credit. All right, let's literally give him all the credit in the world for getting that win because that was him. Yeah. What? Like, it would be McDermott's responsibility. Now, is he – he's not in charge of calling defensive plays, obviously, but – Who is that, Belichick Mc, or McDermott? McDermott. Okay. I think. Yeah, he's an offensive. But they have to adjust to that. I mean, Josh McDan not Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Mac Jones, sorry. Yeah, you're talking. <laughs> McDaniel's is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I yeah. okay because somebody said that last night on TV, and I, I made fun of them for it. So oh, okay. So then you do it back. now. I'm making fun of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mac, so Mac Jones, Jones threw the ball three times. Yeah, completely. you telling me you can't adjust two? your defense? Two, yeah, two completions, three attempts, and you can't adjust your defense really? to that. So speaking of this, Will, and this is where, like I said, this type of mentality, the sore, sour, losing mentality of Sean McDermott after this game spreads to the entire team. Mm-hmm. Because the safeties, Micah Hyde, former Packer, by the way, for the Buffalo Bills were in a press conference together. Jordan press conference. Micah Hyde sitting over here. Poyer sitting over here. And a reporter asks, is it embarrassing to lose? It was The question was something like it was the first time in 40 years that they had lost with a team... 
something with Mac Jones throwing only three passes completing two of them. And the reporter asked, is that embarrassing? Now, as someone who is trying to break into a sports media field, to analyze that, that question, could, have, have, could it have been worded different? Yeah, probably. Is that how I would have asked? No, no, I don't think so. I wouldn't have been like, is that embarrassed? Are you embarrassed? But I think it's a fair question. I mean, there's space yeah, to be asking a question like that. And those two sour, I mean, losers, because mm-hmm. I'm not saying losers in life, but just losers yesterday, sat up there, and they completely shut down. I mean, they got all mad. They started saying things and were, like, offended by it. And it's a fair question because it... Yeah. it, it That's hap- that happened. Here's it was the thing. legit. It, it happened. Like, it is embarrassing to lose like that. Yeah. To be asked about it is just a reporter trying to feed for, like, a headline. He's trying to get... It's to, her job. Yeah. It's his job. He's trying to get him to say, yes, it was embarrassing. And then the headline the next day is, embarrassing loss. You know, something like that. Like, it's, he's right. just trying to get a headline out of it. But it's his job, so he has the space to ask it. Mm-hmm. And for you to implode like that and act like... You know, it's just... What does that do for you? Right. Like, I, I'm all for protection of the players. I think in the NBA, when Russell Westbrook gets stuff thrown at him and, and stuff like that, it's like fans don't deserve to be at games if they're no. going to do that. I'm all for player protection. I am. I really am. And that goes for press conferences, too. Do I believe that they should have to speak after a loss when they're going to be like that? I don't necessarily think so. It should be their choice if they want to go talk. And you know, this, It would be the better thing to do. Like, if you're a leader of the team and you just lost a tough game, it would be the leader, the captain thing to do to go out there and say, we lost, we got to be better and move forward and just go out there for like 15 minutes. And just and talk. how hard is it to say that? Exactly. How hard is it to be just, no matter how mad you are. Just don't lose your cool. Yeah, just be like, well, we lost, we got to be better. <laughs> you can leave it at that. Like if you get asked that question, and it's so weird because they felt it simultaneously. Like they both reacted at the same time. They both were on the same page that how dare we get asked that question. But how hard is it to just be like, next question. Like, at worst thing, yeah. just say, next question. Yeah. But to blow up, and they they finished the press conference, but there was more words exchanged as they left the podium, and it was all from Micah Hyde, and he was, you know, respectful about it. I'll give him his credit. He said, I respect all you do and stuff as reporters, but come on, don't do that. Don't do that. And he walked out. Don't do what? <laughs> don't do his job. Don't do it. Don't do his job. Don't ask you if, it, if it's embarrassing that you couldn't stop the run. He's asking you, is it embarrassing? How hard is it to say, yeah, it's embarrassing, we got to be better? How hard is it to say, no, I'm not embarrassed, it was just a rough game, we get them one more time on the schedule and we'll yeah. adjust and be better next time? Right. Like, just take the high road. Why is that so difficult? And, and to your point, it all starts with McDermott. I mean, that's torn yeah, at the top. Exactly. Thank that you is, for wrapping that back together. Yeah, that's, that's torn at the top. You know, that's something that is talked about whether you're in football or in business, but you're, you know, in business, your management, your tone at the top, how they treat the business directly translates to how your employees, how do your players, how you know anybody involved in the business reacts to adversity and treats you know how they go about their day to day life, and to have McDermott say this like let's not give too much credit to Bill Belichick like what do you like what in yeah. what regard and so, that, I just it's it's not a good start for your head coach to say something like that. So again, the reaction by Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Like you said, it all stems from the top because it's just lead by example. Mm-hmm. I don't care how old these guys are. I don't care how professional these guys are. It's lead by example. Any, has, has anyone from the Patriots team of the last two decades under Bill Belichick come out and done that? 
because Bill Belichick never does that. Does that? He never does that. He comes out, and if he's mad, you can tell he just kind of won't answer. Just kind of talk like this, and then this will be his press conference the entire time. This is his answer to the questions. But then, you never see him blow up and be like, "Oh, what a stupid question." Let's not give too much credit to the opposing. Co- which is we got to be better, and this is how we yeah. move forward, and, and that's it. Maybe minus a few players, but. Yeah, sure. Maybe there's been a couple occurrences, but they have carried themselves like professionals. Yeah. Ever since Bill Belichick got there, and that's so it all stems from the top, right? And uh, yeah, we're not saying that these players make their you know they make their own choices to act like this, and that's definitely the fact. That's yeah. that's what happens. But yep. to have leadership that your head coach says, you know, we got to be better and keep a level mind, that helps so much for these players to keep that same kind of attitude towards these kind of things. So speaking about losing. That's something Tony G didn't do a whole lot of in his last Tony G's picks of the week of season seven. Four and one in my last go round. Remember, I came in on a three game win streak, 33 and 29, heading into Thursday night football. Cowboys at Saints. I knew the Cowboys were going to get the win because the Saints are just bad. Mm -hmm. Cowboys got the win 27 17. The one loss came Sunday noon. Chargers six and five, Bengals seven and four. If you're the Bengals, how do you lose this game? I mean, you're seven and four. Right. You have a chance to win, move to eight and four against a team that is probably going to be not probably that if you win that game, the opposing team, the Chargers, are going to fall to six and six. I mean, that's a five hundred team. You're at home if you're the Bengals. You're in a tough division with the Ravens playing well. You're eight and four. You put yourself in a high seeding position. And you come out and you lose that game big time. Chargers get the forty one twenty two victory. Just a missed opportunity from the Bengals. I mean, I just can't stress that enough. It's the same frustration I feel watching Bills because I know that Bills football is, they just have they the have opportunity it. right there. They have it. They just don't put it together. Exactly. And it's the same thing with the Bengals. And granted, they're young yet, so they mm-hmm. get more of an excuse. They're still developing. But that's still a game you want to win if you want to compete this year. Maybe I'm just mad that they cost me my only loss of the week. Either way. Sunday afternoon, Washington football team at 5-6 and six head to Las Vegas, play the Raiders, who are 6-5. and five. I said football team was going to get the win, and boy, did they. <laughs> 17-15. That was a close game. Came down to the final two minutes, a couple field goals here and there, and football team eventually got the win. Sunday night football, Broncos 6-5, and five, Chiefs 7-4. and four. Said Chiefs, it wasn't really that close of a game. You knew that the Chiefs were going to win. They pulled away late 22-9. Monday Night Football, as we just talked about, Patriots-Bills. I said Patriots 31-17. They got the win 14-10. And I was 4-1 and one in my final picks of the week. 37-30 this season, bringing my total in my career to 108-76. and 76. That's your all. You're done. I'm done. Are you picking? You're not picking next week because we're not. I'm not picking on Thursday because we're not going to come back to it. That's I mean, your... I might pick, but I won't. I don't think I'll. That's your last pick in your college career. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that something? Yeah. So you finished, what was your final record? 108 and what? 76. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you They would have made money if they took all your bets for literal. Yeah, time, you're so. right. Seriously, I tell you, take it to the bank and you just don't listen. Well, now you can't. No, now you can't. It's now, over. Now we're done. Sorry, pal. <laughs> that's a total amount of what? 184 games? 108 and... 76. Live okay. math on the Tony G Show. 184 games. 184, so I was right. And then you win 108 of them. What's my winning percentage? 58.7%. Sorry I asked. <laughs> so technically 59% if you round up. Mm-hmm. 59% winning percentage. How impressive of Tony G. Are you impressed, Will? 
that, I mean, that's above 500. It is. If we're talking batting averages, that's scary good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow. This guy does not miss. <laughs> yeah, that is the, that's a wrap, though. Yeah. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. I mean, I even realized that, did you? I I kind of did, but I never really thought, thought about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I might continue the podcast thing after. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about rebranding it yeah. after graduation in May when season eight concludes. So I don't know if it'll be the Tony G show. I don't know if it'll be the same. Th- but this was the last college season. Mm-hmm. Last picks of the week. Crazy. Stop crying. Come on. Um, it's not, yeah. You know, life will go on. Will. <laughs> You all right over there? Yeah, there we go. Will McCormick batting the eye with some water that he found next to his uh, <laughs> station here in Tony. Wipe the tears. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for showing that emotion towards me and my mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll do it for this episode. Yeah. 24 episodes in the books this season. Don't forget Wayne King, Tony G Show interviews will come out tomorrow. And then Thursday we'll conclude season seven. That'll do it. Any final words from you, Will? Looking forward to season eight already. I know. Me too. It'll be fun. Let's get going to it, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Only one more episode of this season of The Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 